Welcome to the special edition of the Uptime Wind Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Hall, along with my co-host, Joel Saxon. In this episode, we explore the unique hazards faced by wind turbine technicians working to keep the turbine spinning during extreme cold weather events. As renewable energy expands, more wind farms are located in remote areas with harsh winter conditions placing technicians at risk of frostbite, hypothermia, and injury. Joining us to discuss cold weather safety is Alex Fournier, Field Operations Manager at Borealis Wind, which is a division of Fabric Air now. Alex is based in Quebec, Canada, and has been working in the wind industry for seven years. Alex will share his insights on the precautions technicians should take when performing maintenance and repairs in cold climates. Alex, welcome to the program. Thank you guys for having me today. So it's been really cold in Canada and the United States. Uh, there's been uh, We're expecting a snowstorm tonight, so we're, we're batting down the hatches. Uh, but as the wind turbines must keep running, and I was recently down in Texas when a cold front was coming on, coming through there, and the technicians were really concerned about it because it's something that doesn't happen very often. They're not really prepared for the cold weather to stay any length of time. And I thought, well, Alex does this all the time. He lives in this kind of environment. It's my day-to-day. And with Borealis, uh, Borealis obviously creates the de-icing systems for wind turbine blades. And so Alex is up and down on wind turbines all the time, putting systems in and keeping blades turning. I thought this is a good opportunity to talk about uh, wind turbine safety and cold weather conditions and some of the things that uh, you do and your technicians you work with to keep yourself safe in these cold weather conditions. Because I'll have to tell you, one of the coldest times I was ever in was in Montreal, very near to you, actually. (laughs) Yeah, well, the thing with Montreal is, oh, it's an island, so it's a circle of water, um, and so it's really humid. So when you're in the city, you can feel the humidity go, go through your clothes. Um, so yeah, you don't go in Montreal when it's minus 30. No, no. And you better bring a hat and, and gloves because I thought I could make about a hundred yard run to the building I was working at from my car. And I got about halfway there and I thought I'm going to have hypothermia. I am not going to make it. Oh yeah. No, it's not, uh, not temperature you want to play around with. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the gear that's used up in Canada, and I've seen some pictures of technicians up in Canada getting ready to go work on wind turbines. I think it's really important that uh, we all sort of highlight what are those things are and the safety gear you guys take. Because I think the other thing about Canada is the location of the wind farms can be very remote. You're out there by yourself. Yeah, exactly. So most of the wind farm in Quebec, um, they're really isolated from the, the road or the, the cities. Um, some other con- uh, some other province and uh Canada, you know, the wind farm are closer to towns, but in Quebec, it's really isolated. So normally when you go to the turbine, you need to be prepared, you know? Um, and what I've seen recently, so props to Milwaukee, they started doing some uh, heated clothes. Um, so they do heated pants, heated coat, yeah, heated toque, heated glove, heated socks, heated boots even. Um, so I think that's really one of the key. And we see more and more technicians starting to equip themselves with it. Um, and we also see companies that start buying that stuff to their technician because they don't want to step the work, even though the temperatures are really cold, right? I'll, I'll give it one for the uh, the rest of our listeners that may not know it, okay? Because I have, my better half is Canadian. I've spent some time in Canada as well. But a toque, it's actually a warm winter hat. That's what we would call a, a, like a, be- a beanie. Just so when you say toque, I want to make sure everybody knows what it is. But uh, but the, the Milwaukee clothes, the one thing they've done, it's it's fantastic. So they can use the little drill batteries, actually, like the little 12, 12 amp or 12 volt ones, and you plug it in, has a little pocket in the side. The other cool thing they have is, and I don't know about all of them, but some of them, like the jackets, actually have a 12 volt plug-in. So you can plug it into the truck while you're in the truck, and it will heat the jacket up, 
And then you boop, unplug it, run out, do your work. You can get back in, plug it back in. It's like wearing a warm blanket. They're pretty awesome. Exactly. So I will say like an essential for a technician that work in the winter will be heated clothes or at least uh, a good coverall. Me, I always wear coverall, um, nice winter coverall. And also uh, if they can eat something warm. So even a soup or even crock pot, they sell like a little pot that you can eat and warm up your food. That will help you go through the day. Not This isn't wind turbine specific, but I spent a lot of time up on the north slope of Alaska in the wintertime, which is, I mean, it's Arctic, right? So the big thing up there, and of course, where wind turbines are, whether they're in Quebec or Saskatchewan or North Dakota or freaking Sweden or wherever, wherever else it is in the Arctic temperatures, we're in wind. It's going to be windy. So all of those things, you want to protect yourself, right? So one of the, one of the concepts we always drilled home to people was, okay, there's ambient temperature and then there's the, the wind chill. Yeah, the wind chill. Yeah, and so ambient temperature, which is like the regular, hey, it's 20 below, that affects everything material, right? So whether it's a metal or a car door or ice or whatever, that affects that. However, wind chill only affects things that are living, that are organic. So the wind has an effect on your hand, but does not have necessarily an effect on your hammer. So you want to make sure that everything that you have exposed to the wind is covered up in these windy areas. Like if you're out in the farm fields in Alberta and the freaking and you're working wind turbines in the wintertime, man, that wind is going to be blowing. So sometimes you want to wear face covering, make sure no, no skin, nothing down here or under your eyes or anything like that is exposed because that's when you can get frostbite real quick. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you have no choice. You know, you're going to work for, let's say, 10 to 12 hours of that turbine. Do you want to be warm? If you're cold, what's going to affect the cold really going to affect you because it's going to affect you mentally too. And it's going to exhaust you. Your body will become exhausted because it's trying to warm up itself. And also it can affect you mentally because while you're doing the work, you just want to be done because you're cold, you know? So that can be an effect of, you know, working in cold weather is that it will affect also your job performance. Do they regularly put out like, okay, here's the wind chill chart. And when the temperatures are this much, this is when you must take warm up periods to warm up. And do they kind of have policies for all that? Yeah. So normally, especially in Quebec, uh, I was on a site maybe two years ago and I got to the site and it was minus 37 Celsius. So we got to the site, you know, we assess the situation. We're like, oh, it's really cold outside. You know, we're really exposed to frostbite. Uh, and even it's not going to make your day go easy. Um, so they actually have a chart, uh, a chart, and it's maybe like you do 30 minutes of work and then you do 30 minutes of warm up. Um, but normally when temperature are that cold, you're going to wait until it drops uh, under the 30 to start working again. Another thing I was think I'm thinking about here. So this was something that happened to us up in Alaska a lot. Certain tools that you use when you can use them inside or when it's warm, you can use just fine. But when it's cold, you can't. Like the one that always stuck out in my mind was like zip ties. Okay, in a turbine, you know there's zip ties, zipping wires together, making you making sure everything looks neat and, and fancy. If it's 30 below, a standard plastic zip tie just breaks. Like the tab just breaks off. You don't get to use it. They make polar ones that have like the little metal tab on them. And sometimes even those just break. So it changes the way you do things. I have a, a funny story. Um, I was doing rope access in Montreal in my old days. And uh, we had to install a banner on a crane uh, just to promote like the project they were working on and it was during the winter so i was like yeah we're just gonna use zip tie you know we're gonna zip tie it to the crane and it will be perfect so then we spend like two hours we zip tying the the big sign and then we get to the ground and we look up and the sign is all 
half we removed because it was so cold the zip tie snapped in the wind so we re- <laughs> we looked at it and we're like okay well we went to home depot and we buy elastic and we put it back with elastic but yeah we we learned from that yeah so what are, what are some of the things you guys take on your truck and i know a lot of times when you're up that far north you tend to plug your vehicles in to keep them warm keep the oil warm so you can start them uh so some sites in quebec mostly um they don't plow the road so they they need to access with machinery. Um, so some side they will use snow cats, uh, some side they will use side-by-side. Um, so normally we use all that kind of stuff, but the essential really, I would say, will be like coffee, warm clothes, uh, <laughs> charger for all your stuff, because even your phone up there, you know, will die really quick. So you, you need the method of communication, you know, either for your radio or your phone. Um, we need, sometimes we need chain for the wheel. Um, because you can get stuck in the snow, right? Uh, so not only you deal... So people think that we're usually dealing with ice, you know, which is true. Like we're dealing with a lot of ice when we're outside. But we're also de- dealing with the cold weather, the snow, and the wind, you know. So you need to be prepared for all that kind of stuff. Do they try to give you some kind of backup communications, right? Like if you're normally on site, you have like a, like a, a, like a VHF radio in the vehicle and a cell phone and this, just in case something happens? Well, normally the radios, you know, they're charged uh, every day. At the end of the day, we charge our radio. Uh, and we normally have three or four, depending on how many members we have in our team. Um, so for all four radio to die at the same time, I mean, I think you need to stop the day there and go home. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, normally we have enough communication, you know, method to be able to talk to site, um, especially with the phone or the radio. And for boots, what are you guys doing for boots? And to, are you doing like the yak tracks to add to boots so you get a little more grip when it does turn icy? I know some side they require um, ice, uh, not ice, but ice like um, spike. So I was working on some site in the States and it was required to have some spike on your boots to be on site. Um, just because even at the OM yard, you know, you can just slip and fall, you know. Um, so even the people in the office were wearing spike. Uh, a boots that I like, it's the Gios or Neos boots, Neos boots. So it's kind of like a over boots. Um, so that will keep your feet warm because you're not actually touching the surface of the, like you're not touching the ground. You're in your Neos. So the Neos touch the ground and keep your feet warm. Um, or just a good winter boots um, will we'll do the work. Big old boot. You know, there's a, diff- there's a difference too that people don't think about because if you have an experience that you just don't know. But when you're standing on the cold metal stairs, grates or anything of the of a turbine, your feet will get colder way faster than they will just standing on snow. Yeah, exactly. And like I was saying, two years ago, I was in Minnesota um, working in the States and uh, I was working with a lot of people from Texas in January. So they got sent to site and they, did, they didn't really know, you know what to expect. So me, I checked the weather before I came down there. So I was like, oh, wow, it's, it's pretty close to Canada, you know? <clears throat> so I bought, you know, good boots, fiberglass toe, uh, because if you wear metal toe, it's going to freeze up right away. Um, so I bought good fiberglass toes, toe boots. I bought a big coat and I got there and I was ready. But I seen all these Texas people coming in with their still toe boots. And the first minute they were outside, they were like, my feet are frozen. And I was like, yeah, it's because you got still cap. Here, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a south to north one. So I was working on a project in um, Nanana, Alaska one time outside of Fairbanks. And it was, it was really remote. This is an oil and gas thing. So every morning you woke up, you got in a helicopter, you flew over the mountain an hour and you got dropped out in there and we surveyed all day. And, and then they were drilling um, shot holes behind us for seismic exploration. 
And the drilling company, drillers for that kind of stuff are really hard to come by. That is a very specific uh, skill. And so they brought this drilling company out of Louisiana to the to the middle of Alaska in February. And they showed up on site and they had, because they're used to drilling in water, so they always wear like waders and stuff. So these guys showed up, they were wearing waders and like hooded sweatshirts, and it was 40 below Fahrenheit. The first the first day we couldn't fly because it was 40 below the cutoff for the collectives of the helicopter to be able to, to be too cold to fly. So the first day we couldn't fly and all these guys, their eyes were this big. They just showed up from Louisiana like, what are we doing here? And they had to put them all on a bus and go to Fairbanks and buy them all, um, art, you know, the Arctic Carhartt gear, right? Bibs and jackets and goggles, full face masks, all this stuff because they were not prepared whatsoever. So that's that's what we end up doing with the Texas people. You know, we did the stop work, reassess, and we went to the store and we bought all the beeps and uh, the big coat for them to be able to work. Um, but you know, it's not some it's not something that someone will know if they don't experience it. You know, so it's like let's say the wind the wind farm in Texas that get you know ice storm and then they're stuck. Their operation are all stuck because they don't know what to do. Um, it's kind of the they they just don't know. It's not their fault. They they just don't experience it. You know. Yeah, there's another thing that's really important in the wintertime that I was taught from a young age, but grew up in northern Wisconsin, right? So same thing, uh, is layering. So layering, because if, 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 you, if you go like, uh, I'm going to throw on as much clothes as I can to stay warm, then you don't walk around, you start sweating and all this stuff, then you get, then you get cold like that. Then you're, you're done. If you start sweating, you're screwed. So you want to you make sure that you got a good like, you know, thin base layer and just kind of build that stuff up. It's to, to, mon to be able to manage the heat within your body. Because then you can take things off, take stuff on, whatever like that. So if you don't manage that heat and you get sweaty, you're, you're in a world of hurt. Exactly. And that's, that's an issue that we face in the wind industry because that ladder, you still need to climb it. You know, it's not because it's winter that you don't climb the ladder. So when you get to climb the ladder, you need to remove some layers. So when you climb, you're not too warm. So when you get on top, you're a little bit cold, but then you start layering back up. Exactly. So you don't want to sweat while you climb because then you're screwed. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you ever be up in a cell and it's actually nice that the turbine is running because it creates a little bit of heat up there? Yeah. But normally when I go there, turbines are down. So <laughs> I'm cold. <laughs> you're not climbing during a snowstorm unless the turbine's off, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Because it's actually like a rule in Quebec. Well, don't, don't mark me on my word on that. But I think it's actually a ruling in Quebec that um, tower... You cannot stop a tower in the winter if it doesn't need to be stopped because um, that's, that's in the winter that we have the most wind production, you know, like the, the wind is stronger in the winter. So they don't want to stop tower if they're not stopped. Uh, so normally when we go in towers, they're pretty cold. Yeah, because they want to maintain the grid. That's when you guys need the most power too is in the middle of winter. Yeah, exactly. There's some turbine model that they have heaters inside. Uh, we're, we're lucky enough that some of our clients have uh, heaters and their turbine so when we get up there even if the turbine is stopped we can start the heater and it's cancun in the cell uh but we also have clients that don't have any heating system and when we get up there it's just freezing cold are you allowed to take some heaters up there with you if they don't have a heating system yes we do but i mean um it's going to be like a conventional house heater um so even if you put it like in the blade it will make a little difference i mean we do it because when we eat, we like to be warm. Um, but even like putting that in the blade, it won't change anything. Um, I'm lucky enough because we work with the icing system, hot hair de-icing system, so we can start the system. You just turn the Borealis system on, <laughs> turn the heater around, <laughs> pull, yeah, pull, pull the fabric air thing off and let the heater just blow on you for a little bit. Yeah, that's how I eat my lunch. But no, uh, 
parallel when we normally when we go in there uh we can start the system before so when we go in the blade it's a, it's a little bit warmer um it doesn't stay warm like four hours but it still give us a little push let me ask you this one this was a trick that we used to use so you take your sammy maker your nice sandwich at home or whatever the night before for your lunch or your, your soup or whatnot, but that sandwich you'd wrap in tinfoil. So when you got up tower... Put it on the gearbox. Yeah, put it on the gearbox, warm your sandwich up. Does that happen in the wind world? Yeah, we still do that, yeah. Well, we uh, we actually bought the grilled cheese maker last year. <laughs> it seems seems stupid, but we, we bought a grilled cheese maker and we just grill our sandwich and the, and the dinner the lunchtime, so that make it more fun. I learned, I learned that trick actually when I was like 19 years old, I was working on a road crew in Chicago, Illinois. And what they would do is they would take, was it, they were pouring asphalt, right? So they'd take your sandwich and say, Hey, wrap that thing in like five layers of tinfoil tomorrow. And they'd take a five gallon bucket and they'd put a, a, a shovel full of asphalt in there and then put everybody's sandwich and put another shovel on top, wait like 15 minutes, then take the asphalt out, unwrap your sandwiches and they're all cooked. <laughs> That's a good idea. So let me let me ask a question about tur something turbine specific. Is there anything that you've seen in a turbine, whether it's a, I don't know, a cabinet latch or a climb assist or something that that are like, man, it's cold out now. We got to worry about this thing, right? Because it was, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about like mechanics wise. It was always like when it got that cold where I've been, you don't want to be cranking on you know metal parts and stuff because they get brittle when it gets that cold. Well, one thing I can think about is the tree slip. Um, I know like on the nuts, it's right. If you work between these temperature that are low temperature, you need to, to work the lift before you use it. So make a couple of run and then you can use it just to warm it up. Um, but obviously like everything that is battery powered, your drill will, you know, will give up after like a couple of minutes. Uh, your climb assist can even give up after a couple of minutes, you know, so everything really that have a battery no good in the winter. Um, if you use a lamp, you know, bring extra battery with you because it won't live forever. Um, but yeah, everything that is kind of mechanical, it's more work in the winter, you know, just because also you need to think about yourself. You're all layered up, you know? So you're, just your movement are way harder than if it was summer. So the whole crew, though, all the technicians have got the spare batteries in their, in their armpits and, in, and inside their jacket and stuff trying to keep them good. We work with uh, we work with Cicaflex and uh, our method to warm it up is we put it in our beebs and uh, we just carry it all day until we need to use it. Oh wow! I wondered about adhesives because yeah, it's so cold. They just don't want to don't want to move. Yeah, it's crazy. I will say like all everything that is fiberglass work. I will say take a break in the winter um, unless you really need to do it. I know some company, uh, they, they're innovating right now. I seen Acuron, they did a post, uh, on LinkedIn maybe two weeks ago and they're using the Skyflex, uh, platform with the heaters and the lamp and it's all cover up, you know, so they're able to still do composite work in the winter. Um, so a couple of companies like this, you know, they're really innovating and trying to bring services all year round, which is exceptional. Yeah. That, uh, when we were, when we would run with uh, any kind of adhesives or anything like that, it was like when you're driving to site. It's always they're up on the dash right where the defroster is getting heat, getting heat right on them. You get out, grab them, stick them inside, and, and away you go. In wintertime, the days are short, right? So when you time, time, especially when you're up north where you are, in some of those wind farms, the days are really short. Do you have to be cautious about, hey, it's getting dark outside. We got to get out of here. Are there rules about that? But being sort of where it's really cold, plus it's being dark, and the, uh, the temperature does drop some when the sun goes down, even in those northern latitudes. Is there more things you have to worry about once the sun goes down? 
Yeah, I mean, my personal advice is if you work in the winter, don't try to push it. Uh, just because, you know, it's cold, you're tired, it gets dark fast, you know. Um, so, yeah, normally you, you still try to go down when the sun go down, if that makes sense. Um, but I don't think there's actually ruling. But, uh, yeah, uh, when the sun goes down, you, sh you need to go down, too, because it will get even colder, too. Yeah, and for, pe for people who don't realize that have been in the south, basically working on turbines, or even the south, really, to be honest with you, all the way up to the Dakotas and whatnot, if you're up in Quebec, or northern Quebec especially, your day, your sunlight, good sunlight of the day can only be 9 to 3. Like, you, you're down to a 6 hours of sunlight. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you really need to be cautious, too. And um, if I can tell a story, too, we were in Quebec, uh, I think, a year ago, and uh, it was in the morning, and so we up in the snowcat, and it starts snowing, and we're like, oh, you know, it's going to snow today, but we didn't expect much snow. And then it was the end of the day, around 8, 9, so it's already dark. Then we get out, and all our tracks are completely covered up. So we didn't even like we didn't even know the road anymore, you know, and it's all like big ditch. So <laughs> how, how to get back to the O and Billy? Yeah. So we had a guy outside just walking, you know, trying to find like a deep spot. And yeah, we were with the snowcat. It was it was crazy. So be cautious of the snow too, because when it starts snowing, you never know what's gonna happen, and it can be a couple of centimeter, but it can be two feet too. Yeah. How do you deal with that though? It does seem like the snowstorms kind of come randomly at times do you carry gps with you or some way i guess your phone has gps but does it even work that far away from cell towers the good idea would have been to look at the weather channel <laughs> before the, the the start of the day but you know when when you kind of need to get some stuff done you know that's not the first thing you're going to think about you know you mostly think about work first uh, in my case so no but yeah having let's say like a, a good you know a good part of the day, a plan of the day, you know, you assess all the risk in the morning and then you, you can do you can do your work and you know work in consequences. That will really be the key. Just to summarize, make sure you have extra gear, make sure you have extra food, don't get wet and prepare for when it gets really cold. Yeah, and mind your batteries. But there's some of your client, you know, the they have innovative uh, solution too. Like I said, we work with Snowcat. Um, so that 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 can pretty much get you anywhere you need to go. Um, and they also have ice trailer. So what is an ice trailer? It's something you attach either on a truck or the snowcat. And when you bring it to the tower, there's actually like a platform that's deploying. Um, so that will protect you from the ice falling too. Oh, I didn't, never heard of that. Yeah. So that, that helps the technicians to, uh, to work safe and even mitigate the ice risk. Um, and even now they created some trucks with platform on it. Um, that will protect you from the ice as well. Okay, this is a, we're going to talk about a risk that is specific to wind turbines, right? You guys, Borealis, you're in you're in the icing space, like your friends Ice Tech that are up there as well, in that icing space, knowing when that's going on and getting, the blades getting covered with ice. We, I've been on insurance cases where they say, hey, uh, the turbine was spinning, a chunk of ice came off that was the size of the hood of a truck. The next blade came, hit it, did a bunch of damage. Now we're talking about the blades. But you guys are people standing under the turbines. How do you handle that risk? Yeah. So first of all, I should say get a de-icing system, a brightest wind IPS system. No. But uh, <laughs> all joke aside, there's uh, mitigation. First of all, it's to have a good procedure in place. You know, I think just with having a good procedure on how to work with ice risk is the key of it. Because uh, often people, you know, they're a little bit um, hesitant, you know, to work with ice because everyone knows it's a risk, right? Everyone across the industry know that ice is a risk. Um, so when you tell a 
a technician to go work on a tower that's high stuff, they, they might be hesitant. But if you have a good procedure in place that explains all the risk and how to mitigate them, that will be the first step. Having a good procedure, that will be the first step. Just to um, eliminate all the hesitation from technician and really have a clear idea of what it is. And the second step will be to get some uh, medication tool. Like I said, a snowcat um, with an ice trailer, that, that's really helpful, you know, because now you know that you have the procedure and then you're t- on top of that, you have, you know, um, risk mitigation, you have material to mitigate it. So that will really be the key um, to be able to work with the ice is to, to get prepared, you know, and have the tooling and the procedure to prepare yourself to, to work with the ice. Um, and on top of that, if you can have a de-icing system, obviously that, that will work too. That's a really serious problem to deal with, though, right? I mean, it, it does seem like the ice falls could, could instantaneously kill you and leave you stranded or leave you stranded out there seriously hurt. Yeah, it's, I mean, you don't want to play around with that. And, you know, there, there's certain situation. If you see that it's super sunny outside and you see the ice shed, obviously don't go there. You know, it's the first step. And no one will be, no one will be mad because you do a stop work that's, you don't play around with safety. But, you know, there's still some way to be able to work even though there's ice. Even if you don't have, like, a snowcat or ice trailer, you know, if, if you follow a good procedure, you know, there's, there's some case that it's going to be minus four with a big sun shining. Obviously, some pieces of ice will shed, you know, because it will melt. But if it's, like, minus 20 outside, not sunny, and you're able to yaw the tower away from the door, at temperature around minus 20, minus 15, the ice doesn't shed. It's pretty you know, stuck on the blade. You can do, uh, you can do brake tests. People do that though. They, they will spin the rotor, do a brake test, see if the ice shed. Uh, normally if the ice doesn't shed, the temperature is uh, super low and you can yaw away from the tower and the wind is in the, another direction. Then I will say it's safe to access the turbine. Um, but yeah, in, in some cases, it's just not, not workable if you don't have the good tool. I've learned a tremendous amount here, Alex. I had no idea <laughs> of all the all the techniques and uh, pieces of equipment you take to to keep yourself safe while working in wind turbines when it's cold outside. It, this is fascinating to hear. But like I said, you know, us we're used to it because we're from you know we're from Nordic uh, province, and uh, you know it's we need to deal with it day to day. So it will be a shame if every day we will not be able to work because of the ice. So people with good idea came in and, you know, that's how we're able to work and innovate the industry. So if I'm down in Texas and I'm in the middle of an ice storm and I want to get a hold of you, Alex, how, how do I get some advice from you about how to work in cold climates? Where do I go? Really, I suggest that every, you know, um, service company or, you know, energy provider to really dig into it and just make clear procedure for all their worker. That will be the best, the best bet I can give them. Because, like I said, with a clear procedure, you educate your worker too, and you ensure that uh, they're safe to work. Well, if you're on the web, you might as well check out Borealis Wind uh, because they have a really cool DI system. Borealiswind.com. <laughs> we can so scrap all the podcasts, just go on the website and use our solution, and you will be set. <laughs> Alex, thanks for appearing on the program. We 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 love hearing all this good stuff, and we'll see you at some of the trade shows this this month. So myself, Alexandre, will be in Quebec at the IQPR conferences uh, to talk about de-icing. My buddy Wade Coolis, our sales manager, will be at Blade USA. uh, And me and him will be in San Diego next week at the OMS uh, Safety Summit. 
and Daniela Roper will be at Winter Win, and we will be in Minneapolis for the ACP trade show also. Yeah, that's great. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being on the program. Well, thank you guys for having me, and uh, I wish you all a good day. Thank you.